You're about to hear a life-transforming word brought to you by Trinity Baptist Church, London, an oasis for breakthrough. The focus of Trinity Baptist Church is to see people develop a Christ-like character that impacts our world. Now, prepare your hearts to receive God's word through his anointed servant. Second, the book of Second Samuel, the prophet Samuel, chapter 6. Worshipping with us this morning is Pastor Manuel from ICGC, uh, Accra. He's visiting the country and has chosen to worship with us today. Please give everybody a wave of free. Thank you. Thank you. Second Samuel chapter 6. I begin reading from verse 1. Again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal, Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name the Lord of hosts who dwells between the cherubim. So they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadad, which was on the hill, and Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadad, drove the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadad, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments of fair wood, of harps, on stringed instruments, on tambourines, on sistrums, and on cymbals. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error. And he died there by the ark of God. And David became angry because the Lord's outbreak, because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. And he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David. But David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Jetite. Father, this morning, we honor you for the richness of your word. Your word that comes to correct, to instruct, to rebuke, and to direct in righteousness. Father, till that day that we cast our crowns before you, take away from us the bent of sinning. That in all that we do, we may see you as supreme, as a sovereign God, by whose word your creation is sustained. 
help us. Bend us and we'll be bent. Turn us and we'll be turned. Our desire is to please you and to do your will. Let the hand of the Lord be elevated in our midst, O God. Let righteousness ring a bell and set a pillar over us, O God. Father, I pray. No member of TBC will die before their time. No business will collapse in this church. For David said, I was young and now I am old. I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor the seed of the righteous going about and begging for bread. He used the word the righteous. Those that have the right stand with you. We want to be the righteous people. For it is by your righteousness that we are who we are today. Teach us to live accordingly. And may the world see us as a living epistle. May they see Jesus in us. May they see the blessings of God in us. May they see how it pays to serve God and how our businesses can prosper. Be exalted amongst your people today in the mighty name of Jesus. And God's people shall say, Today, I want to talk to us as a family. It comes to a point in the life of every family, every church, every business, where we all have to sit down and take accounts. And this morning, I'm sharing with us a message that I have titled, Avoiding the Spirit of Overfamiliarity. If Jesus is supreme, overfamiliarity must live our lives. One of the dangers of modern Christianity is a spirit of overfamiliarity. Too soon we forget where the Lord picked us from. The price that was paid, we forget the agony of Calvary, where God had to turn his eyes away from his only begotten son. That you and I, who once were alienated, from the commonwealth of Israel might be crafted in. We forget his mercy towards us, the abundant grace that found us. We forget the victory he has given us over curses. We forget the victory he has given us over the enemy and the authority that we have as a people of God. Too soon we forget his favor over our children, we forget his elevation and promotion over our lives. We forget that our past has been redeemed. That it is by grace that the life that we live today makes sense. And that it is only by grace that we know that our future is secure. Unfortunately, the 21st century church has become too familiar with the things of God. Reverence for God no longer exists in many so-called charismatic churches. In the passage that we read this morning, Uzzah put his hand to touch the ark of the covenant of the Lord. The question is, why would Uzzah do that? Was he a Levite? 
who knew the ark must not be touched, we don't know. But one thing that we know is that God has given his instruction clear that no one, Numbers 415, should touch the ark or anything that is holy. Because the ark represented his presence. And as such, you do not draw near to him in an inappropriate manner. Over familiarity with God is scattered across scripture. Samson became so familiar with the things of God that having taken the Nazarite vow, the essence of that vow is that if you sin, you, you go to the high priest for your hair to be cut off because no razor was to touch the hair of a Nazarite. The only time Caesar touched that hair was when he had touched anything that was unclean or had sinned, but not Samson. And as long as that hair was on, for him, the phrase was, I will shake myself. And any time he shook himself, the power of God was manifested. So he would sleep with prostitutes. He would touch things that are defiled. And when the enemy was upon him, he would shake himself. And when cities were shut behind him, he would shake himself because he knew the power was there and would literally, with his bare hand, take off the gate of a whole city and escape. He had become so familiar with God. Till one day when God left him, he did not even know that the Lord The sad thing is that, unfortunately, the church of the living God today do all kinds of things and we come to church. We sleep anyhow. We sleep with any kind of woman we want. We come and we touch his instruments. We take his microphone and we preach. We take the microphone and we sing. We come and we sit in the pew. Because we can speak in tongues. And as long as we speak in tongues, everything is okay. May the Lord have mercy on us. Ananias and Sapphira had become so familiar with the things of God because everybody was coming to church and putting, selling, and putting the, the proceed at the feet of the apostles. So why not we? Conite things that were theirs to come into life unfortunately at the cost of their own lives. You see, God did not save us on the road from hell taking us to heaven to kill us on the way. But one thing that God will not entertain is to deliberately sin is to become over familiar with God and strongly believe that he does not sin. He is a God who sees. He asked us this morning that if I am God, where is my honor? 
And I, if I'm the father, where is my reverence? Over familiarity is killing the church, especially the charismatic church. So much so that in the church we take our own families for granted. We treat our wives anyhow. We talk to them anyhow. We talk to our children anyhow. Forgetting the fact that people are paying thousands just for the fruit of the womb. But God blesses us. And because of over familiarity, we wake up every day, the woman is there. She's going nowhere. We wake up every day, our husband lies besides us. He's going nowhere. So we talk to him anyhow. We talk to our wives anyhow. We treat one another anyhow. Today, over familiarity has crept so deeply into the church that for many young people, marriage counseling is a thing of the past. Who are you to instruct me as to how to enter into marriage? Uzziah, King Uzziah became king at the age of 16. And Second Chronicles 26.5 tells us that as long as he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had the understanding in the visions of God, as long as he sought the Lord, the Lord made all that he did to prosper. Then the verse 16 tells us that when he became strong, his heart was lifted up to his own, unfortunately, destruction. The question is why? Is it that if we need something from God, we become very obedient? We will attend every prayer meeting. We will fast. We will go to the man of God, share our needs, our, our challenge. But the moment God answers us, not everybody will come to the man of God. But many of you, in the time of your need, the way you sought God, but the moment God answers we take him for granted. Today, may the supreme Jesus take us back. I didn't hear you. I say, may he cleanse our hearts afresh. And like David, may each one of us pray and say, the Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. I've come to observe and I've seen that in these last days, in the wisdom of God, he has chosen to bless so many young businessmen and women. And one thing is clear. They all love righteousness. Why will we do that? How will we, can we become over familiar with God? The God who speaks and the mountains quick. The God who speaks and things that are not come into being. How can we take such a God for granted? 
But today, let's just look at some of the areas in which we've taken God for granted. One major area in which we've taken him for granted is the name of the Lord. Today, even Christians will use the name to swear. And the name which for the Jew is so sacred that for the devout Jewish person will hardly pronounce the name Yahweh. So sacred. But today for many of us, the name Jesus has become an entertaining word. We have reduced the name to the cutting of wedding cakes. We take the name, give me a J, give me an E, give me an S, give me a U, give me a The name at which it is the only name at which every knee shall bow. The name that brings deliverance. The name that redeems. The name that the waves hear and they are stilled. The name of Jesus. Secondly, we've also taken the secret things of God for regardless of what we say about the Catholics. They understand reverence. Uzzah probably was a Levite and as such would have known the commands regarding the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. He would have known that those who bore the Ark were not to touch it. And any time the ark was carried, it was to be covered. At this time, they did it. The ark was to be borne on the shoulders of the Levites. But because the Philistines, in sending back the ark of the covenant of the Lord that had demonstrated the power of God before the God uh, uh, Dagon, had set it on a new cart. And David and his men, knowing what was right, in taking the Ark of the Covenant to the city of David, should have known better. Because the Philistines did that which was wrong, they also were copying the Philistines in the carrying of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. First Chronicles 15, 15 makes it quite clear. And the Levites carried the ark of God with the poles on their shoulders, as Moses had commanded in accordance with the word of God. That was the word of God. You don't touch the ark. You don't put the ark on a cart. The ark is to be carried on poles on the shoulders of the Levites. But they put it on a cart because the Philistines had done the same. Now, they had become over familiar with the ark and thought they could carry it anyhow. So, Uzzah sinned with his eyes open. He knew the commandments of the Lord. They have heard that the men of Beth Shemesh in 2 Samuel 6, 19, 
had literally opened the ark to look at what was in it. And all what was in the ark was the manna, was, the, was Aaron's rod that battled and the Ten Commandments. The tablets of the, that was all what was in the ark. And the men of Beth Shemesh, literally they were Philistines when they had conquered the ark because of the sin of Eli and his children. But you can't touch the glory of God. Amen? Had opened it and the Lord struck 50,070 men dead. They knew this, but still thought we are Levites. We are believers. We can do things anyhow. You see, church, we should not take his holiness for granted. Because of worldliness and the way that the world has crept into the church, the 21st century church today does not, no, no longer know what is God and what is not of God. David and his leaders imitated the world instead of consulting scripture. They did what they saw the pagans do. Listen, one of the things the world will always do is to try to steer the church away from Christ. Today, so many false teaching has crept into the church of the living God. For many today, there are no more absolutes. The preaching in the church, now, today you dare not preach sin in the church. They will leave. But thank God for Trinity Baptist Church. That we are a church that loves the truth. For many, there are no more absolutes. Because the church does not want to offend anyone at the expense of biblical truth. But you see, yesterday, one of our junior pastors was ordained. Our pastor at Stokeliwinton, Edmund Lai, and I told him that, Edmund, anytime biblical truth crosses path with political correctness, walk on the path of biblical truth. Amen. And the truth is that whether we like it or not, the world will always take us to a junction where truth intersects with worldly correctness. And that is when you, as a child of God, will have to let your light shine. And to stand up for Jesus. And to, well the, well, and to let the world know that regardless of the cost, he is supreme over your life. And that you regard the blood that was shed at Calvary that you will not crucify Jesus again. Today we preach what is popular and avoid what is culturally controversial. Today there is no standard for membership anymore. I have a talent. If I come to church, if you don't allow me to use a talent, off I go. Thank God for TVs. And this is a message that I'm preaching not only for us as Trinity Baptists, but also to the multitudes who watch us 
in various nations online, on TV, and now also on radio. Today, premarital sex and cohabitation are overlooked with impunity. People no longer fear God. And they will live with women they have not married and come to church and lead. As long as we speak in tongues, everything is fine. For many, the church is a social club, it's a social gathering, and a center for entertainment. For many, it, it no longer matters. Once you have accepted Jesus as your Lord, you can live your life anyhow. St. Augustine once said, familiarity breeds contempt. But perhaps in some cases, it does not, but it will more than often breed carelessness. Watch two people in love. They cannot be away from each other for long. When a fiancée knows that the, the young man is coming, and she will ensure that the lipo lipo are very nice, ensure that the nails are well done. Will ensure that the hair is neatly done, dresses well. Because the fiancé is coming. Why am I saying that? Because I have four in my house. But for many, the moment they marry, their home becomes a war zone. Tsunami. The hair is undone. The nails are only done when there's an occasion. Likewise, the man takes off the shoes and leaves it in the sofa. After all, we take the name of the Lord for granted. We take sacred things for granted. But we also take his word for granted because it is too familiar. We've heard it over and over again. Psalm 119105, the psalmist sings and says in his lamentation, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In other words, I have no other direction than your word. Today, people will look in the face of biblical truth and do the contrary. Because the word is familiar. It doesn't matter. The word of God that creates, the word of God that sustains, there is power in the name of Jesus. The name at which the devil hears and screams. And over and over at deliverances, I've seen with my eyes to the glory of God. How demons manifest at the mention of the name of Jesus. For many, the word is too, they've heard it too often. Paul tells the Ephesians, I commend you to God and the power of his word, 
which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among the saints. But today, Sunday school, we attend if we want. Home group, we attend if it's convenient for us. And even at times when we come to church during preaching, people walk up. They've heard it. Oh, Pastor Kinko, I've heard him preaching. So what? They've heard it too familiar. We've become over familiar with the word of God. But the word of God is living. It is alive. And the word of God that comes every day comes from the throne room for a definite purpose. So we, have, we have heard it over and over. It's uh, But we've also become over-familiar with worship. You see, I believe that worship must be one that comes out of a dynamism of relationship with God. I believe that worship must be well-structured with prayer, but worship must also be free. And worship must never be done with a hypocritical attitude. A true worshiper will be lost in the wonder, the beauty, the love, and power of God. It is impossible for a true worshiper to be sending tests at the same time. You can't sit before your CEO where she or she is talking to you and you are sending text messages to your boyfriend or to your girlfriend, what is it that can't wait when you are in the presence of God? What is it? What is it that can't wait? And, and the sad thing is that there are some, their mobile phones will ring in the church and they will answer in the church. Of course, Sisters, I will exonerate you on this. 70%. Many women, most of the time, do not know where their phones are. I have a wife, and I'm telling you the truth. And most of the time, their phone will ring, and they will ask you, what is that? It's your phone. They are all the same. They are all the same. But I want to plead with you, but you know, that, you know how men guard their mobile phones. I'm telling you that there are some men, even in, to the bathroom, they will carry their phones with them. If they forget themselves and leave their phone in the hall, and they are in the washroom and the phone rings, oh, it doesn't matter where they are. They will run back for that phone. Because the information that is on that phone So many of them, when their phones ring, they become roving ambassadors in the house. Sitting with your wife and children. Mm, 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 mm. Now your ways have become. Mm, mm, mm. God inhibits the praises of his people. At least. At least. With reverence. My friend, Pastor Matthew said. 
He is waiting for the day when a new technology will come up, which will not cause mobile phones to ring in the church. So it is not you alone. But at least when we are coming, let's make a conscious effort to switch off our mobile phones. Why? Because we are going to have an appointment with God. And if we look at it that way, we will switch it off. But if God becomes too familiar with us, over familiar with us, then we will enter the church with our mobile phones, not even knowing that our mobile phones are on. I am going to have an appointment with my CEO. I'm going to have an appointment with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The moment I get to the doors, bam, I switch my phone. And when worship is going on and you are late, please, when people have lifted their hands and they are worship, don't come and shove them, push. Please. At least with reverence. When you come and the worship is ongoing and you are late, at least stand at the back with the ashes. Let's give God the reverence that is due him. Because now in many evangelical and charismatic churches, we don't kneel anymore. But one of the things that the Orthodox churches does is the kneeling. And the reverence that kneeling brings, you have no clue. I want to encourage us. Besides doctors who are on call, who need their be person, please, let's switch our mobile phones off. As God prepares us, to take us to another place. And, and the truth is that all the money that is needed, at least for the, phase, for the first phase of the church to be completed, for us to move in, is at hand. To the glory of God. So now I can authoritatively stand here and say that the 31st this year will be held at Oasis House. <laughs> authoritatively. And not only that, we will move in there before December. But we must go with a different attitude. Not with an attitude where we take God for granted. Where we, we, you see, and, and the truth is that many of you are so loyal. Some of you have been in the church as long as the church began. Some of you have been here for 25 years. Some of you are, are your faces... Uh, you have been in the church for about 20 years, for 15 years, for many of you, over 10 years, 5 years. Please, let us not make God to become too familiar to us. Is somebody hearing me? Understand that God is a rewarder of all those who diligently seek him. And anyone who pays a diligent price to seek God, God will honor him. You see, if I come to stand here to lead, to do a special song, or to lead worship, or to preach, to play an instrument, and I have a problem 
against any of those standing up here. There's a problem between me and them. If I stand here and I'm preaching, and I know that there's a problem between me and somebody in the pew, I limit the power and the flow of God. I limit it. But there are people in the church that are burdened. There are people in the church that must hear God. There are people in the church who need a visitation into the throne room. So when I come, I should make sure that by God's grace, even if somebody has something against me in my heart, I forgive that person. And if it's my fault, that I will make the restitution. There is so much for the Orthodox Church to learn from the Catholic Church. We may criticize them. We may say all manner of things about them. But I am telling you, when it comes to reverence for God and how to be quiet before God, oh, there's too much we have to learn from them. A fourth century, century Catholic monk from France said that if you go on the mountain to worship the king, don't plunder his goose. If you go on the mountain to worship the king, worship him. He knows your knees. As you leave, he will cause that goose to follow you. But what do we do? Now our worship, our prayers, everything that we do is about what we want. We should not become over familiar with worship. But also over familiarity with sin has crept into the church. The question is, how far is too far? We are not to judge anyone, but the question is, does sin affect you? Some have become so over-familiar with sin that doing the wrong things and coming to Sunday to do whatever they have to do, it's, it's not. It's become normal because their conscience is seared as with a hot iron. If you are living with a woman and you know you love her, come and see the leaders. We will help you to marry her. Don't leave. You, you, you are studying her. Is she a manual? No, is she a car? For which you need time to study the manual. Is she a microwave? If you love her, come and see the leadership. One of the things uh, when I got converted, um, one Baptist pastor told me in Ghana, Pastor Bwadi, he said this openly that when Two people are in love and genuinely want to marry. And for before, before coming to Christ, they were living together. The, the, the common sense thing that you do is to help them go through counseling. Because for some of them, they've lived together over five years. Take them through good counseling, speed it up for them, and normalize the marriage. And there are some that will tell you, it's not that I've come to know Christ, so I want to study here. 
And this woman is also coming to church with him. So all these five years, you didn't know her. Today, the testimonies in the sin, sorry, in the church is shocking. Pastor Agu was sharing with me how someone just stood up and said, I came into this country as an illegal immigrant and uh, the Lord opened a door for me and, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, a white man married me for 250 pounds. Hey, is this a testimony to share? Is this a testimony? Why? Because for, for, for that person, sin is not sin. It's normal. I can do whatever I want. Wow. Wow. For many, sin does not shock anymore. But let me do one more. I won't be able to finish the sermon. Number six, we have become over familiar with God's gifts and talents. Please put on the screen for me First Peter 14. You see, many of us, we forget that there is nothing we have that God didn't give to us. A gift God has never, that God did not give to me is singing. I can sing, but I can't sing like Cheku. I can't sing like Nikki. I can't sing like Jennifer. I can't sing like uh, Benedicta. I can't sing like my daughters. They can sing. But the gift that God has given to me, I must understand that it is for the benefit of everybody. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one, to who? To one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. As good stewards. You did not create that gift. It is God who, there are some people with gifts, they become terrible. <sighs> Nobody comes near. Can you imagine if me, Pastor Kingsley, by God's grace, the Lord gave me the grace to start this church, and this church will always be for him. If every Sunday you come, I'm here preaching. I lead the worship, and I lead the praises, and I do the announcements, yeah? And, and I do the preaching, and I do the benediction. What will you say? One man thousand, Correct! That is why you people will say, hey, ask for this pastor. And you know what? There are people like that. God gives them a gift in one area. Nobody should come near. May the Lord change their attitudes. We have become so over familiar with the gifts that many of us, when we started TVC, oh, Lord, mercy. Hey. There was a guy, gifted keyboardist. Oh my goodness, the guy can, can play. Then something happened. And because we, we took uh, uh, an offering to buy the keyboard, just then 
when we were taking the offering, he said, oh, I volunteer. So he bought a keyboard. Then on that day, something happened. Somebody was leading the worship. Made, said something. He took all the wires out, put the keyboard under his apple. Psh! He caught his ball. And off he went. He never came back. Then the Lord brought another one. He was in between, not too good. Then he also something, you see, as long as we are human, we will always offend one another. I mean, there is nothing, and the essence, when the Bible says forgive one another as God in Christ forgave us, and we should be tenderhearted. What, what the Lord is saying is that offending one another is part of life. Even at times your own child becomes angry with you. Yeah, if it's your, I want children. And about two hours, they are not talking to you. And you are looking at them and say, hey. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And at times I said that you become angry with your children. But that does not mean you cut them off. It's part of life. Are you hearing me? So this guy became angry. For him, I don't quite remember what happened. So he came, worshipped time, room play, and we had only one keyboard. Yo. Uh, we did that. Nobody. This house can play keyboard. So he stood at the back like this. Then we were clapping our hands. And then the drums, the, 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 the drama, they, they, they didn't know what to do. The leaders went to talk. That day, Pastor Fred Yamiche was preaching. So Pastor Fred walks into the church. Those that were picking him, picked him late. He comes with a young man by name Dan. So Dan sits down, sits. Ah, the worship team sing, singing, the, the instrumentalist standing, the only, the, so, and sees a keyboard. Without talking to me, without talking, he walks, starts playing. Master then I could then I turned around the guy was pulling his neck looking at who was and you know what from that day Dan became the keyboardist for the church for over 15 years till he moved back he saw the opportunity and used his talent to serve God but you see there are too many of us who misused that talent. And one of such was Moses. Turn with me. Put Numbers 20, verse 8 to 12 on the screen for me. I will end with this. Numbers 20. Take your rod. This is God speaking. The children of Israel had complained the second time because of thirst, you and your brother Aaron gather the congregation together, speak to the rock. Do what? Before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. Let's go on, Sam. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. Let's go. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, Hear now, you what? 
Then look at the words that follow. Must we? Hey, Moses, has it got, gotten into that? Must we bring water for you out of this rock? <clears throat> must we? When did you, Moses, bring water out of a rock? And must we, you and who? You and Aaron or you and God? Okay, let's go. Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. And water came out abundantly and the congregation and their animals drank. What did God say to him he should do? But what did he do? Good, go on. <coughs> then the Lord spoke to, <coughs> to Moses and Aaron and said, Because you did not believe me, to hollow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. Go on. This was the water of Meribah, because the children of Israel contended with the Lord, and he was hallowed among them. See, for the people, God was hallowed. Because they did not know the instruction that God gave to Moses. Then quickly go to Deuteronomy chapter 3. I don't think there will be time for me to finish quickly. Deuteronomy 3, 21 from verse 21. Deuteronomy. Okay. God's talking to Moses, and I commanded Joshua at that time, saying, your eyes have seen all that the Lord your God has done to these two kings, 22. You must not fear them, 23. Then I pleaded with the Lord at that time, saying, take it carefully from here, oh Lord God, you have begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do anything like your works and your might? What is Moses doing? He's pleading with the Lord. Let's go on. I pray, let me cross over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, those pleasant mountains and Lebanon. But the Lord was angry with me on your account and would not listen to me. So the Lord said to me, enough! Of that. Speak no more to me of this matter. You see, there comes a time when we become too familiar with God. You see, God is merciful, compassionate, and long-suffering. It comes to a point with, in our walk with God where we walk so faithful. If we make any attempt to become over-familiar with him, even our prayers, he tells you enough. Because God knew that the more Moses pleased, the more his heart. Come on, let's go on. Go up to the top of Pisgah and lift your eyes toward the west, the north, the south, and the east. Behold it with your eyes, for you shall not cross into the joy. Jump to 32. Quickly, 32, 48. Over familiarity with God. Then 
Then the Lord spoke to Moses that very same day, saying, Go up this mountain of the Abraham, Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab, across from Jericho. View the lamb of Canaan, which I give to the children of Israel as a possession. Quickly. And die on the mountain, which you ascend, and be gathered to your people, just as Aaron, your brother, died on Mount Hall and was gathered to his people. Go on. Because you what? You trespass against me among the children of Israel at the waters of Meribah Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zin, because you did not hallow me in the midst of the children of Israel. Let's end that with where, where are we? 52. 52. Yet you shall see the land before you, though you shall not go there into the land which I'm giving. Quickly to 34. This is the man who spoke to God face to face. 34 from verse 1. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Manebo to the top of Pisgah, which is across from Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead as far as Dan. And Naphtali, and all the land, Ephraim, Manasseh, and all the land of Judah as far as the western sea. The south and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, this is the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And, and he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, opposite Poah, but no one knows his grave to this day. Then Jude tells us, Jude 9, that the Mark Archangel, Michael, going to take that body for burial. Actually, that body was transported to heaven. The devil contended with him. And the Archangel Michael said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Church, one of the greatest men that ever lived is Moses. But he became so over-familiar with his work with God that he ended up dying on the mountain of unfulfilled dreams. But you will fulfill your dreams. Because today, <clears throat> you and I have a chance not to take God for granted anymore. Over familiarity means taking God for granted. And I pray, I will continue this message, that don't let us take God for granted in any area of our lives. And I want you to bow down your heads at this time. Search your heart. Any area that you know you have taken God for granted, ask the Lord for forgiveness. Because he's merciful. And, and there are things that we've done that we did not even know were wrong. But this morning, pray and say, Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Father, this morning we honor you for your faithfulness and for your word. Touch our hearts, cleanse us, and draw us back to you again.
In the mighty name of Jesus, God's people shall say, Amen. You've just heard God's word brought to you by Trinity Baptist Church, London. We pray that this word will impact your life in a tremendous way. You are welcome to share your testimonies, prayer and counseling needs with us. Do visit us or write to us at Trinity Baptist Church, 2 Thornlaw Road, West Norwood, London, SE27 OSA or call 0208-766-7732. Thank you and remain blessed.